This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, it's Dave here. Before we get to this episode of The Cinemile, I want to take a second to tell you about a new podcast I've been working on with my friend Kobe called The Wire Stripped. It's all about HBO's The Wire and it is available now. The first episode is live and I would massively appreciate it uh, if you guys could head over to The Wire Stripped on iTunes and Acast or wherever you do your podcasts and subscribe and have a listen. I'm going to play you uh, the trailer now and then we'll go straight into this episode of The Cinemile. Thanks. When you walk through the garden you got to watch your back. 15 years ago, HBO released a show that nobody was talking about. But then, slowly, everyone started to realise that The Wire might just be the greatest show of all time. I'm Kobe. And I'm Dave. And we're going back to the pits to rewatch every episode in our brand new podcast, The Wire Stripped. We'll break down the lingo, like re-ups, burners and wiretaps. We'll analyse key scenes. Like that infamous fuck scene. Yeah, we'll be... We'll be swearing a lot. We'll also be talking to celebrity fans of The Wire. Still hoping to get Barack Obama on here. Yes, we can. And we'll be talking to key cast members, including Frankie Faison, better known as Deputy Commissioner Burrell. He's a character who's just trying to survive. He's trying to do a good job. And Lance Reddick, who played Lieutenant Daniels. Quite frankly, the pilot was so... There were so many characters that I didn't even know who I wanted to be. It wasn't like, I've got to play that character. I just, it was just, I had to be on the show. And of course, the one... The only, the bunk, Wendell Pierce. Me and Dom, we have a scene, scene here, and all I'm going to do, he said, oh, God, it's awful, you're awful. I said, well, I have to listen to that fake-ass Baltimore accent. You have some shit. You got to deal with me. So dust off your DVD box set. Dave, people don't watch DVDs anymore, man. Oh, well, uh, dust off your uh, streaming service, I guess, and uh, join us as we revisit the greatest TV show ever made by creating the greatest podcast ever made. Yeah, well, our top five, maybe. But we let's aim high. Hi, my name is Lance Reddick, and you're listening to The Wire Strict. Gotta help me keep the devil We're down in the hole Hello, I'm Dave, and I'm here with my wife, Kathy. Hello. And we're doing another cinema... No, we're not doing a cinema. Today, we're not doing a cinema. We're not. The, the cinema is normally where we walk to the cinema and then walk back from the cinema, for anyone who uh, is listening to this podcast for the first time. But today, we are doing our end-of-year review of TV shows. This is our first time we've done this. We did a, an end-of-year uh, movie show last year. Um, but Which we loved. And then we've watched... 
so much TV this year because we haven't got to the cinema as much because we have a new baby and also we did a Game of Thrones Game of Thrones <laughs> we did Game of Thrones kind of bonus episodes the over Game the summer which we really enjoyed so we just thought you know what we'll do a best of TV as a bonus episode why not Yes, uh, and we asked you on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram what your best and worst TV shows were for the year, and we'll be reading out some of them later. We got loads of entries. Thank you. Yes, thank you. And apologies in advance for the quality of this episode because so we're both holding our notes. I'm also pushing a buggy, and Dave's holding the podcast recorder. And we both have colds. Yeah, we both have colds, and, and it's, it's freezing. Freezing. And we're in a park. Yeah, so the baby's nicely bundled up in his buggy, but we have bare hands because of all the podcasting. So apologies for the snuffles. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So will we get into it? All right. It? So we're going to do our top five of the the year uh, TV shows. Then we're going to uh, throw to some honourable mentions, and then our guilty pleasures and our worst of the year. Yes. And also, we don't know each other's top five, so this is thrilling no, stuff. No, I don't know anything on your list. No, I haven't seen know. either of our lists. Yeah, lists are top secret in our house. Uh, but and we, also, we both just finished our list two minutes ago. But we've also <laughs> largely seen the same TV shows because we watched them together. Well, no, I watch a lot of TV without you. Oh, that's though, true. I'm on yeah. Mat leave. Yeah. yeah, you and Oscar yeah. watch a lot of Oscar crap. Oscar watches a lot. Um, okay. All right. So, Kathy, what was your number five TV show of 2017? My number five was one we watched together. HBO show that we watch on Sky Atlantic. The Affair, season three. Oh, completely oh, forgot, about, forgot that. about that. <laughs> Damn it! I was wondering if I you knew had there was that. one I'd forget. Um, oh, that was brilliant. It's a brilliant show, and I why I've put it in my list is because The Affair season three really surprised me because The Affair season one was an excellent show. Um, for anyone who hasn't seen it, I wholly recommend watching it. Um, season one explores two families. Um, that are interlinked because the father of one and the mother of the other um, have an affair. (laughs) And it explores from both of their perspectives kind of how things went down and it kind of explores how fallible memory is and how we write our own history. And it's really interesting. And by the end of season one, we thought, you know, that was such a good season, but we feel like they're done with that now and it shouldn't come back again. Yeah. Then season two came back and they widened it so that was from four perspectives. Um, and it was really good and they really blew us away and completely surprised us and then season 3 we were going come here like they can't do this again this is ridiculous and season 3 like knocked it out of the park was almost better than the other two seasons but you need to have seen the other two seasons so it explores as I said like we how you know mentally we all write our own histories there's no such thing as absolutes in terms of you know two or three different people can recount the same event and have wildly different experiences of it it explores like relationship breakdown it explores lots about grief and it just is a phenomenal acting um, the acting and the, the, the writing in that show is probably oh, the, the best incredible. of the year I can't yeah. believe I forgot about I can't, it I can't believe you forgot either <laughs> um, so yeah it's that's my number five and I think partly it's so gripping as well like it's a proper thriller sometimes which is unexpected and I think partly the reason uh, that the, the show kept improving was because they weren't afraid to kind of just throw away their their initial sort of hook from the first season yeah. which I won't spoil it for anybody but they kind of just went right we're done with that and then moved on and yeah. then it just became a character drama it's still kind of the fallout and the same characters who were involved in the affair but it's not like every season there's a new affair like in How to Get Away Murder where there's a new murder every season and it gets really tedious this isn't like that but um, it's so good because you you see um, you see each of the characters from the other character's point of view and so you see the best and the worst qualities of everybody 
and the truth is always kind of somewhere in the middle it's murky yeah so that's my number five what's yours superb um my number five is also a hbo show it's uh, big little lies okay uh, which was released this year it's an adaptation of an australian book which you read yes i've actually read all the books by that author and um, so i was pumped for big little lies and it did not disappoint uh, yes, and it's uh, it stars Nicole Kidman, Reese Witherspoon, uh, Laura Dern, Shailene Woodley. It's got a brilliant, uh, brilliant cast. And uh, what's that Norwegian guy's name? Scandinavian dude. I don't know, Dave. You should have done research for your number five. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> you know the guy. The guy from True Blood. Really, uh, he's awesome. Yeah he's, yeah, he's brilliant in it. Like everyone is just excellent in this show. Like firing on all cylinders. Easily, I would say this is one of the best Nicole Kidman performances I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah, she's incredible. She's and she won the Emmy. Absolute the standout in this, but like Reese, Reese Witherspoon and Shailene Woodley are also excellent. It's very, very uh, gripping. It's, I would say, for something that's built around a central uh, mystery, it is a murder mystery. That's not a spoiler because it's opening scene. That is, uh, interestingly, probably the part of the show they fumbled the most. I think the way it was told. um, Because you don't even know who the victim is at the beginning. But it's not very compelling. But But it's like the book. The book and the show both captured the most interesting part is the dynamics between the women. Yes. So it's set... um, It plays around several mothers of, uh, I guess, their five-year-olds. You know, they're they're sort of just just entered school. And it's the dynamics and the central situation of one of the children is he a bully or isn't he and the way that it ripples throughout the community and all the parents is absolutely fascinating uh, and it's so so well portrayed and there, there are uh, you know there's obviously a host of other plots but it just blew it blew me away I thought it was absolutely amazing the production quality was incredible and it was only seven episodes which we love yeah perfect length the soundtrack was excellent if maybe a little bit too on the nose there's this uh, there's this little girl character who's like maybe six years old and she has like the best music taste know, in the world where realistically she'd just be listening to what Beyonce or whatever no well no Beyonce's good she'd probably be listening to something like um, <coughs> like the Benga bus is coming except wait, whatever you think, the... you think six year olds <laughs> no, are listening to the Benga boys like uh, no um, what, I know what Despacito, you mean one of, you know those big pop things I could listen to That's what she'd have been listening you, to you Despacito. thought of our equivalent yeah. that's what we, we were listening to um, quick side okay. note what's your what's your most shameful single that you ever bought as a as a kid my most shameful single I mean obviously I, had, I bought I Mysterious had Girl I had Shaggy's album nice I had Mysterious Girl and also posters of Peter, Peter Andre, Andre everywhere yeah oh. okay right to my number four Mindhunter Netflix show yeah um, great show which I know a lot of people did write to us that they loved it as well um, why I love Mindhunter is because there was lots of reasons I liked it one of which was we had never heard of this show and it just showed up on our Netflix one day Um but it stars now I've lost my notes it stars Jonathan I think it's Jeff how you say his name Jonathan Jeff he plays Holden he's one of my favourite actors that's because that's his name what's his name I don't think that's his name Isn't we'll it? come back to that later ok well no. anyway he was in Looking which is one of my favourite shows of all time HBO show and he was in Boss which was a fantastic um, sadly short lived show um, starring Kelsey Grammer and this guy's awesome in it and to the point where I was so obsessed with Boss that I became one of those weird people who like joined the Facebook page and was like writing Save Boss <laughs> was, like Save Boss one of those kind of people um, what's really great and it also stars Anna Torv who plays Wendy and she's from, from Fringe. Fringe which oh, we love she's brilliant she's, we love her and then what's his name Holt McCallany Holt McCallany <laughs> okay his from name Fight is Club. Jonathan Groff I, I apologize. know yeah. um, I've done my research thank you um, 
And anyway, basically, this is a show about kind of the origins of that whole, what we see now in shows like Criminal Minds, where you analyze serial killers and their motives. And, and this is set place in the, it's set place in the 70s, um, which is really fun anyway, all the 70s stuff. The two male partners have teamed up and they're just trying to discover, you know, what motivates these serial killers, which is a new phenomenon, because up until this point, they always look at murders, whether you're, okay, first of all, A, you're just crazy, or B, you've got a motive. And they're trying to posit that actually, no, you may not have a motive to kill somebody and you may not be crazy. And there's other reasons that you would kill people. For example, you've got these strange comp- like compulsions or urges. And I just found all that really fascinating. And this is, I broke a cardinal rule of our relationship in this show where if Dave and I are watching yes. a show together, we watch it together. Now, as I said, I'm at home on maternity leave and I just said, I'm sorry, Dave. And I skipped ahead. You cheated finished. on me. I cheated on you with mine, don't I? I'll never forget. Yeah, so I finish it all in about two days and, and then Dave had to watch it on the train. And everybody, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how she broke this to me. First of all, she didn't. <laughs> uh, I was on the train home and I opened up my Netflix and the top thing was Mindhunter, like episode eight. <laughs> Four episodes ahead, it said resume playing. Yeah, so I was so betrayed. You found out. It was like if you'd opened my Facebook and seen me kissing another man. It, it was, was worse. Yeah, it was that kind I of... I cannot believe you Anyway, so I really enjoyed it. Oscar really enjoyed it too. And um, what is your number four? My number four is Rick and Morty season three, mm-hmm. uh, which you don't watch. No. Um, <coughs> so I have watched, but I don't watch. Because me and your sister Lizzie tried to force you to watch it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but you've no interest. Um, Rick and Morty is, um, for anybody who doesn't know, it's an animation by creators Dan Harmon and Justin Roiland. Dan Harmon is the creator of Community, which is another show I love. And he also does a great podcast called Harmontown. And it's an animation about a grandfather and grandson. The grandfather is a quirky, mad scientist type. It's sort of very much played on um, Back to the Future. You know, that I think that it's, it's, it's a play on that sort of... I think that's where the... Um, the, ti- the, the character's titles come from. Um, I'm babbling on here, but the, what the you show are is babbling. About. You got Basically, distracted because I was um, yeah. tending to the child. Yes, <laughs> um, it's just very, very off the wall. Um, it's ridiculous. It's very, very funny, and it's very dark and cynical. Um, but also tackles uh, the family family situation quite well, and I think. This season was quite controversial. I think a lot of the fans really didn't like it. Um, there was a lot of weird misogyny going from the fans, a lot of uh, backstage controversy because uh, they hired a lot of female writers and the fans turned out to be, you know, this sort of like Gamergate kind of fans. It's funny because it turns The worst kind of off, internet people. Even though I know the people who make the show aren't like that and blatantly they've hired all these women. The fact that the fans are like that turns me off the show, which I know shouldn't, but... I know, really but, it, but Dan Harmon himself came out to speak, say, you know, he just denounced those people. But I actually think this season um, really stepped things up in terms of the family dynamics. They made one very significant change to one of the characters, which played out really well. Um, the actual episodes are a little hit and miss. Some of them are quite weak. Um, others are incredibly strong. None of them are quite as strong as maybe the first episode, which was released early as a really really good April Fool's Day prank um, but I just absolutely love this show it's really really good at taking every sci-fi trope that you've ever seen and just twisting it on its head or even just every any other genre trope um, it feels different and fresh and if you haven't seen it please go see it and you it. watch it on Netflix right? it's all on Netflix now yeah okay now my third 
installment is another HBO show that we watch on Atlantic, um, which is Insecure season two. So Insecure season one was amazing. It's created, co-created by Issa Rae, who also writes a lot of the episodes. Um, like she's basically the driving force behind it. And she got this show because initially she actually made a web series called Awkward Black Girl. And she basically explores issues of being a black woman in her 20s in the States. Um, and this is actually a quote from her. I've done research. She said this initially around season one that she's going to examine the complexities of blackness and the reality that you can't escape being black. And it's really interesting. So basically, at the surface level, you look at Insecure and it very much sits with shows like Sex and the City and Girls, of which I'm both fan, a big fan of. Um, in that nominally, you know, it's exploring a woman. She's got three girlfriends. It's weird how they have that format of four women friends. Um, and Don't all women friends come in four? <laughs> yeah, isn't they that, do. Isn't that how it um, works in but real that's life? Not, but this show is... is it's also like those in that it explores like the awkwardness of sex it explores female sexuality it explores friendships it explores relationship breakdowns but where this is much more important and and really stands out from those shows is that it really explores racism in the states not through any um like not through anything too serious it's a very funny show and it's just there's just situations the characters find themselves in where they're experiencing racism generally generally from white people who don't realize they're being racist and that's what's really interesting about it so it's not you're out and out you know the, there's nothing wrong with the white characters they're not doing anything wrong they're just not reacting the same to these black women as they would to a white woman or a white man um, so it's really interesting and some of the stuff again a bit like um the affair season one was so good i wondered you know you always have like kind of what do they say like the bad second album or the bad second season that didn't happen with Insecure it actually got better and one of the things Insecure season 2 did is um, they took who was the boyfriend character in season 1 and he's now a main character in his own right like he's got his own scenes he's not just connected to these women and he's amazing and they also have like the best friend character Molly is um, experiencing like the gender pay gap but again it's all done in quite a funny way um, so there's just so much stuff they're talking about and also that feeling of like being in your 20s and not really knowing where your life is going and it's set in LA in um, Inglewood this um, neighbourhood and just lots not a location I've ever seen anything set in I find it really interesting and I know you did watch season one with me but this is one again I jumped ahead and watched without you yeah I mean you have a lot of extra uh, <laughs> yeah. couch time yeah. at the moment um, yeah, I thought season one was was excellent. Uh, really strong, like Just so very funny. very unique voice she has, like in in the writing, and it created one of the best uh, <coughs> impromptu songs. Oh, the songs were so good, Bucket Pussy, <laughs> and like she always breaks into these kind of she imagines these scenarios. So she'd be in a situation, and then it cuts to her in a bathroom, just rapping to herself in the mirror. And one of the best things about the show is the music, so much so that I think they got like Solange Knowles involved in producing, executive producing the music. They have like all like amazing artists in it. So yeah, I love this show, and I just love. I'm just quite blown away by how much can be tackled in the space of a half hour humorous show when you want to do it and then you can put it next to something like now this isn't a direct comparison and I gave up on Silicon Valley a long time ago but you can put it next to a half hour HBO sitcom like that and they can't stand up against each other like Insecure has just got so much depth to it 
and it has such a variety uh, a of characters. It's a comparison. It, it's maybe. unfair, but I'm just saying what, what you can achieve in a half hour can be quite something if, if the creator is so passionate about getting this message across. I know, but that's not what Silicon Valley I know, is trying to achieve. I know, either. I'm not trying to achieve it. I'm just saying what you can do while still being laugh out loud funny really blows my mind. Um, and you, what's your number three? My number three of the year is Mindhunter, which we've kind of covered. But um, I, what I really liked about Mindhunter was well, we didn't know a lot about it going in. It's sort I was expecting another, not procedural, because you don't really get that with Netflix box sets anymore. But I was expecting a little bit sort of um, criminal of the week, maybe, or maybe there was an overarching villain. Same. But it's not you. It's not like that at all. It's very much more. It's more about the. It's almost like bureaucratic. It's all more. It's more about like how they set up a department. I know. <laughs> Which sounds kind of. It's kind sounds sounds kind of boring, but it really isn't. It's absolutely fascinating. And it's interesting. Lots of our friends. We we've been recommending Mindhunter to everyone. Loads of our friends have said oh, it's too boring. I've given up on it. But we we seem to love the tedious stick, details. Stick with it. Uh, I will say to anybody because there are you, you don't even meet um, the. The second member of the team till the second episode. You don't meet the third member of the team till the third episode, and it, as it progresses, it's it's it really unravels the um, the minds of each of the main characters through very subtle ways. It's a very very well written show. It looks amazing. We we didn't say it was uh, the first few episodes, and a few of the last ones were directed by David oh, Fincher. Yeah, of course, he very much set the visual tone for this thing. It's, uh, it's and the very 70s much, stuff is really fun, isn't it? The 70s stuff is sort of subtle but very well done. Uh, it's not; it doesn't play up that sort of uh, Mad Men nostalgia kind of stuff. It all feels very organic. But it's just it's just superb, and it felt so normal and natural and effortlessly cool. And it did feel time. like you know when you're you're in a job and you just you've got a good you can just have this small good moment with your colleagues. And one of the moments in Mindhunter was just the three leads in a lift like an elevator and they all smile yeah and that was like one of my favorite scenes because it was just so natural and you felt like you like that you just totally could be in that moment enjoying it with them like they had a genuine administrative victory and that sounds weird but it was just really well done administrative victories <laughs> they did um, so that was really good okay let What's me your number find two show, my number Kathy? two show. If I hadn't written it down, I'd have forgotten already. Because... Do you want me to stall for time? No, here? no, I have it. Um, so my number two is The People versus O.J. Simpson, which kind of crossed into this year for us. So it was one of those crossover shows. Yeah. Um, and it won nine Emmys, so it did very well last year. Um, so what's amazing about this show is when I heard about The People versus O.J. Simpson, I was like, who cares? We all know how that trial ended. Now, obviously... It happened around 92 and I was quite young at the time and, and it was one of those things I kind of knew about but it's not like in Ireland everyone was talking about it um, and I know the result and I just thought uh, boring and I, I turned on an episode once just to see and I could not stop watching this show it is unbelievable like the amount of the, the how serious some of it was how funny some of it was how well acted it was and it really deeply explored sexism and racism in the States. And even though it's set around like the 92 LA riots, it could be set today. Um, it's, it's almost eerie. Sarah Paulson plays Marsha Clark. And the sexism that woman experienced while she was um, prosecuting OJ Simpson was something else. It's absolutely horrific. And 
she did such a fantastic job of playing her and then I mean the whole trial ended up going on for like eight or nine months fascinating and ultimately it was a real circus, the it? climate that it was set around of just all the horrible racism that was going on in the states and how you know white cops are treating black men set the scene for then this crazy circus where you've got a blatantly guilty black man who gets off innocent because it, it's one of those it's just so nuanced everything that was happening because well, when it you was hear the- now that OJ Simpson got off you think like that's outrageous but watching this series which really explored it and was based on a factual book you understand how he got off in the end it was the societal context of the time wasn't it that, yeah. that really it just supercharged everyone's feelings to what he became this symbol of black oppression really yeah, and, and then he- the facts got lost because of showmanship by the by the defendant oh, the, 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 the defense, defense attorneys were outrageous and then interesting one of the prosecutors was actually a black man and he experienced like being shunned from his own community like the whole thing was so interesting and he I just want to um, we don't have this as a category but I'm making an honourable mention of my favourite TV actor this year and it is Sterling K. Brown who played Christopher Darden who was um, second prosecutor because he's also I think shown he won up. an Emmy as well, didn't he? I think he did. He's also shown up in Insecure Season 2 and he's shown up in This Is Us. This is Us. Yeah, so he's in like three of my favourite shows. And he's so good. He's such a fantastic actor. Um, and he just really stood out in this along with um, Sarah Paulson. And also we have to mention Cuba Gooding Jr. playing O.J. Simpson was something else. He played him as just a giant man-child. <laughs> and I don't know really anything about O.J. Simpson other than having seen this series and having seen... Um, is it Naked Lethal Weapon or Naked? Which one is he in? Uh, um, naked Gun. Naked Gun, yeah. So that's basically all I know about him. Cuba Gooding Jr. was something else playing him. I really enjoyed it. And we have to mention John Travolta's wig <laughs> and John Travolta <laughs> chewing the scenery in every scene. And I don't think he was doing it ironically. He laughed. Like every time he came on screen, we just started laughing. It was so ridiculous. And also, Ross from Friends was in it. Like it was just such a. It was a great cast. I really enjoyed it. Um, okay, Dave. Uh, my, number two. my number two of the year is a late entry because I just finished watching this last night <laughs> <laughs> and it went straight in at the charts at number two. Um, it's American Vandal on Netflix. Uh, this is a fake documentary um, about a, an incident in a high school in America in which 27 dicks are spray painted <laughs> onto uh, 27 teachers cars uh, causing $100,000 worth of damage and um, one one guy Dylan is a kind of the, the school clown slash moron who is um, charged with it and expelled from the school and is facing uh, felony charges for, for vandalism and what this documentary sets out to do and it's very much done in the style of serial and making a murderer it sets out to discover the truth not necessarily prove his innocence but there are certain facts which don't quite add up to the fact but that But have Dylan you said this is a mockumentary not a documentary? This is all fake. Okay, They're right. all <laughs> actors. It's all written. Um but it is done so po-faced and so seriously uh like the best kind of mockumentaries that it is like very very funny. Um but this is it's 100% it's satire because it's it's uh it's a send-up of this you know the, this new wave of true crime documentary, which has really uh, gripped pop culture in the, in the last few years. Yeah, like in podcasts and in TV. Yeah, and they even they even reference 
serial. At, at one point, the um, when they're interviewing somebody, they say, "What is this for?" And, and they say, "Oh, it's a it's a true crime documentary, like serial." <laughs> uh, the documentary makers themselves re- reference that. I need to watch um, it. It's just when you told me the subject matter, I just thought, you know what, that sounds so but silly. That's but that's what's you say. so good about it. The subject matter they picked the most ridiculous and like innocuous thing, um, and they treat it with the same level of seriousness as murder cases um, and the production values in this show are as good as any of those shows and when I was going is- to bed last night I was like Dave come to bed right you know we've got a newborn baby we're really sleep deprived Dave's like no I need I to need know to- who drew the dicks I need to know I have an episode and a half left I'm like okay good luck to you goodbye but that is what the best satire does uh, it works not only as a send up of all those things and, and other things because this <laughs> this just really nitpicks and, and pulls apart the threads of why we find these things so satisfying or and it really like holds a mirror up to like um, these true crime documentaries and how invasive they can be uh, in particular I was reminded of S-Town uh, which is a, a very very big podcast this year uh, which looked into one man's particular life and elements of that I won't spoil it but elements of that became very very invasive into that man and other men's and, and, and women's lives and that's addressed in American Vandal um, with complete seriousness that, because that's what's so good about this this show is that like I said the best kind of satire works as a send up and it's very very funny but it also works as a show the, 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 it has to the work mystery, in its own right the mystery is 100% compelling the production values are top notch the characters and the acting are amazing this works as a high school drama I was so invested in the two documentary makers who are students in Dylan himself who brings real pathos and stupidity to the role uh, you get involved with all the teachers it is a, it's, a, it's a work of art the whole thing it's only 8 episodes long I 100% recommend it Okay, brilliant. And just before we get to number one, we may have to take a break um, due to baby maintenance. Before we do, what do you think my number one is? Oh my God, I don't know. I don't. Even, I didn't even think. Yeah, I can't. Is think it Big Little Lies? I, I think, think your I, number one is Big Little Lies. I'm not Lies. saying. And I think that yours is... God, this is terrible. I shouldn't have started this. Uh, yes, yeah, great radio. Game of Thrones. You think it's Game of Thrones? Yeah. Okay, I'm going Big Little Lies. Okay. Okay, right. we're going to take a short break. Uh, Oh, there he is, right, we'll reconvene. Okay, Okay, come on, Oscar, bye. Okay, we are back and we are about to hear what Cathy's number one show of the year is so what's exciting. a big little lies it was big little ah, lies I gotcha. <laughs> which is why I wasn't trying to say too much when you were talking about big little lies um, and look I probably can't add too much to it I guess there were so many elements of big little lies that worked for me um, at its core which it has to be to be a good TV show is that it was um, it was entertaining right that's what we need that's the first thing and I was saying that about everything on my list they're all entertaining because that's what I look for in a TV show Um it has fascinating characters, as we said. This complexity to everyone. The acting is just out of control. You're looking at a whole, you know, a cast of A-list, Oscar-nominated actresses, essentially. Um, when Nicole Kidman can disappear into a role, yeah, you're I like, mean, wow. yeah, and I, I think for me, as I said, I, I've, I've read the book and I've actually read all the authors' books, um, and she, like, what's what's really interesting about like female fiction is it, always 
it's always kind of just pushed under the like if there's a book set around a schoolyard which a lot of her books are they're all set around Sydney um, around where we used to live so I loved reading them when I lived there um, they somehow get seen as less less than other books books around women who are mothers in the schoolyard and all that they kind of just get pushed aside a little bit even though you're capturing a side of life that anyone who has kids experiences not just women um, so I, I really enjoyed reading that when it's really well done as hers is it's you know it's just she's a very good writer she really captures that and then I was skeptical about it being adapted for the big screen particularly because they took it from the Sydney setting and moved it to Monterey in the States but actually they end up being very visually similar and as soon as we heard like Reese Witherspoon was on board with it I was like really excited because she's such a powerhouse in in Hollywood now in terms of being a producer and part of that is you know she's a woman over 40 and famously we know there are no roles for women over 40 in Hollywood Reese Witherspoon bought the rights to this book um, she was the overall producer of it she got like Nicole Kidman on board Lara Dern all these fantastic women and she also starred in it Reese Witherspoon and was phenomenal in it like she's just so perfect for the role she played and it just showed that to get a high end big budget fantastic series off the ground starring all these women in big names like it takes someone like Reese Witherspoon to do it which is outrageous like it basically took a Hollywood star to come and make this TV show and get so critically acclaimed um, like HBO as much as I love HBO when they make shows like Insecure and Girls they're big shows like you know the ones they're really well known for now taking Sex and City out of the equation things like The Wire The, the Sopranos. Sopranos they're so male um, obviously Game of Thrones is a cast of millions and you know it's male and female led but this was something else like the marketing behind it the drive and all these women together at the Emmy supporting each other it just it was just a really good story and I hope hopefully it filters down and there's more female stories now and it doesn't take A-list Oscar winning actresses to make it happen um, well considering the climate of you know the entertainment industry at the end of 2017 I think shows like this are very very important um, oh god and, and like, it also deals climate. and it also does tackle sexual assault in it um, this is the biggest um, in a very interesting way the most interesting plot for me and it was I mean it was Nicole Kidman and um, I think it's Alexander Skarsgård. Um, That's who I was trying to think Yeah, well, it. you should have done your own research for your number five. He, They play this really dark marital relationship, um, abusive relationship, but portrayed like I've never seen before because the classic way that we see abusive relationships portrayed is um, very much man abuses woman, woman cowers in fear, um, and that's kind of it. Now, this is a nuanced adult relationship. There's kids involved. It's abusive. But just because it's an abusive relationship doesn't mean she's always cowering. Like, she's also a very strong woman. She was a lawyer in a previous life. So it's kind of exploring the impact of that, of this relationship eroding her own self-confidence. And she's still got bursts of her herself. And then it really deeply explores the impact on the kids of that relationship. And it's really dark. And this is all in the same episode of a show where you could be laughing at another subplot at the same time. It also explores like um, the impact of rape on somebody. There's so much going on in it. And then on top of that, it's just glossy and beautiful looking. I mean, their houses. We got so depressed watching this show. We're like, we are in the wrong business. We need to 
you like you know our house is an embarrassment we want to live on the beachfront like <laughs> Reese with the spoon that's never going to happen <laughs> um, so just everything about it and everything it represented and they've just announced this week actually that they are making a season 2 which everyone was a little bit wary that about that makes me wary of this yeah. and I thought the very very end of this show I'm not going to spoil it uh, but the very last scene felt a little like oh come yeah, on there's just a bit. blatant setup for a season 2 but who can blame that them then are you going right. to take you know this is like magic in a bottle are you going to take this group of of actors and and this setting oh Oscar's crying again I think we'll have to stop after this um, are you going to take all of this and not and not wake at work again and what's happened is Leanne Moriarty the author has actually written kind of a novella about these characters and they're going to take her work and adapt it to another series so I just think it's worth giving it a go well they did it with the affair and that exactly. worked okay we're going to come back uh, going to come back shortly for my number one we've got to take another break bye <laughs> oh love okay we'll take you home Hello, we're back and uh, we've magically transported home. And we are making hay while the baby shines. The baby uh, is lying on his mat, uh, looking very diligently at a flashing crab. Yes, so quick, let's go. What's this your number one? might distract him long enough <laughs> to talk about number one. So you thought my number one was Game of Thrones. I don't really, I just can't guess what it is. Why do you think Game of Thrones? I don't know, it's the first thing that I mean, Game of Thrones head. is great fun to watch, but like it's, it's getting a bit old at this stage, yeah. I would say. Uh, it's certainly not... Fresh or interesting. Um, no, my number one is uh, Bojack Horseman series oh, four. Oh, yes, of course. Um, which Again, is a, I forgot about that because we don't watch it together. A sensational show. No, you sort of you missed I out missed on it, that. Yeah. But I would recommend if you're looking for something to to do while you're on maternity leave, go back and go back and watch all of that because it no. is amazing. Um, now, this is a show, if anyone who doesn't know, it's about a, well, it's an animation uh, set in a slightly surreal alternative universe where um, horses um, h- horses and other animals have evolved to uh, the shape of humans and live with humans um, not that that's ever acknowledged but it's also kind of set in the present isn't it oh it's completely yeah. set in the present and it's set in Hollywood yeah. um, and all the same sort of real world actors are there with hilarious puns um, because there's like animal versions of a lot of them Um and Bojack Horseman himself, who's voiced by Will Arnett, um, the an, the amazing voice actor Will Arnett, who is Lego Batman and Joe from Arrested Development, is a washed up actor who was a big star in an eighties sitcom called Horsin' Around, in which he was the um, uh, the a horse who adopts three human kids did you watch that show when we were younger what was it called again was it like Ed the Talking Horse or something like that oh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. well we watched reruns of that because yeah. that was from the 50s or oh was 60s. it okay oh, yeah well. I used to watch that um, his name was Ed to, to the Talking Horse wasn't that but it or I something? don't think that's it somebody please let's, let's <laughs> find right. it right we'll play it at I'm the end of the episode that. yeah we'll, we'll play it at the end of the episode what that actually was this show when I first watched it I guess it's three or four years ago now watched two episodes of it could not get into it didn't like it I think that's what I tried as well flat out didn't like it Um, I thought it was a bit full of itself Uh, to the point where I just ditched it and somebody else recommended me to to go back and watch it and I got absolutely hooked Um, the show has just like it's amazingly funny first of all like like my favourite comedy of the year but it's also like works as a complex human drama um, 
to, to amazing effect and this seasons just keep adding layers and layers and layers to the point where I think I watched somewhere like, where he was like depressed or something he's very he's a yeah. very he's a very complex character because he's an asshole and he is <laughs> depressed and he's just horrible but he's also you also empathize with him massively and I won't go into too much detail uh, like about the plots of season four but I will say this is an a, a silly animated uh, show effectively that deals with things such as um, d- uh, clinical depression, uh, Alzheimer's, um, addiction, Bye. death, um, the uh, abortion, um, what else? Um, miscarriages. It's got. It's got. It deals with very, very dark subject matter. It also tackles, um, quite interestingly, topics such as uh, <laughs> gender, gender equality, mm-hmm. um, the the gun gun control issue in America. There's a whole episode about gun control wow. in America, which is both deconstructs it in such a hilarious way uh, and such an obvious way. Um, <laughs> I, I, I can't. I, I had, I'd have to describe the episode by spoiling it. Where do you but watch it's it? Su- it's, it's a Netflix exclusive it is show. Netflix, okay. um, but the way they did that is so so spot on and so good. And I think it's interesting to compare this to something like South Park, which is obviously dealing with the same subject matters and has been doing so for years in a very hilarious way. And but South Park, wh- why this is better than South Park is that this actually has very relatable and interesting characters who are hu- more human than the people in South Park even though they're animals okay that's interesting <coughs> and with South Park though as well and I'm a, actually a big South Park fan and I don't watch it anymore but I watched it for a long time they just take it too far for me sometimes and I I enjoy the fact that they are gross and go over the top with that but sometimes they're actually just vile and that they tip yeah. it over the edge for me South Park could be quite puerile yeah whereas this from what I've seen of it even though I've not watched much of it, it it's not like that it's, it's not like that the that. voice acting is superb they I mean and they just keep developing the characters the um, and there's no standalone episodes there kind of are but the, there's there are story arcs in each season so when you get to season 4 you are invested in Bojack's agent uh, she she uh, and she has one of the most tragic plots in his um, rival called Mr. Peanut Butter who's a dog who was in a rival sitcom all these things sound so ridiculous on face value and when you first introduce them to season one they are pretty much just face value but they just keep adding layers and layers to these characters and people who are so so horrible like his mother just like honestly one of the most villainous and horrible people you could ever meet they dimensionalize her in a whole episode in this season it is absolutely superb everyone should watch it not enough people are watching it or talking about it okay good number one and now it's a lot easier to podcast because we're at home oscar's talking away in the background he's talking to the crowd (laughs) and we um we've got some before we go into our other lists we've got some we put out a call on twitter instagram and facebook and way more people wrote to us than we were expecting so poor Dave had to collate this all this morning yeah um, sorry thank you thank you thank to you. everyone who wrote in we cannot read them all out because there are loads of them um, yeah way too many but it's amazing we got such feedback people are really engaged with TV and like have such passion about Oscar's it Oscar's very excited about this list <laughs> so interestingly um, I've got the um, what the what the most most people said was their best show of the year was a tie between Mindhunter and The Handmaid's Tale. Interesting, which, which we both only saw the pilot of, so we can't comment on it. We need to go back and watch yeah. that because it looked, it was brilliant. It's one pilot. of those things that we watched the pilot, loved it. Then you know when you miss a recording and you've missed the episode, and then you have a baby, and suddenly you've missed the whole thing. 
So yes, we want to watch Handmaid's Tale, and we, if we were just going on pilots, it would be in both of our top five. Um, uh, the joint second place, uh, Better Call Saul, had a lot of mentions, and The Good Place, mm-hmm. um, which is also on Netflix, and I've watched the whole two seasons of that in a blitz recently, and it is brilliant. I absolutely recommend that. Um, also then in uh, joint third place, there was a lot of stuff. Godless, uh, which is a Western on Netflix I haven't seen. Yeah, it looks good. Rick and Morty got a few mentions. American Gods, which is that Amazon Prime show. We haven't seen that. Uh, Master which is of highly None. recommended by Nick, who was our Geostorm guest. Yes. Uh, Master of None, uh, second season, which I haven't caught up with yet, but the first season was very good. The Juice, you've watched that, the new David Simon show? Yeah, so The Juice, I just finished actually, and... Um, it's interesting because The Juice is a David Simon show for HBO, right? So it's obviously incredibly well acted, well written, well researched, perfectly set in the time that it is, which is the 70s in New York. But ultimately, why The Juice didn't make my list is it just is about a subject matter that is... Um, hold on a okay, second. He's, it's he's just... fine. We're gonna, we'll come back to this. We're going to take another break. <laughs> back again this is actually a good representation of, of parenting because yeah. you never get anything this done this is our life <laughs> you get it done in bits and, and pieces uh, what was I talking about the juice the juice right so I'm saying the juice is fantastically made but ultimately it's about a subject matter that I just couldn't get interested in which was prostitution and the dawn of the porn industry in the 70s um, and just at the end of the day it, for me the wire was so interesting because it was about oh there's Oscar burping it was <laughs> nice. about social inequality That's my boy it was about drugs it was about the education system it was about the class system in America like there's so much going on in the wire and for me the juice while there was a lot going on in it I wasn't particularly into what was going on so yeah that's why where the juice fell down for me albeit I would highly recommend it as you know a great show to watch okay on to what people thought were the worst shows of the year and by a country mile uh, the most people said Marvel's Inhumans. Um, yes, which is so funny because it shows how many people have actually watched the show. We watched it too. We watched the pilot. Um, and I have to say it was gloriously bad in that it was thoroughly enjoyable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we had so much really, fun with it. it just like the production values of it were just dreadful. It was like Xeno Warrior Princess if it was like a Marvel TV show made today with what was a clearly a high budget but somehow looked low budget yeah. <laughs> really bizarre yeah so that was top of the list and, and then second on the list was another Marvel show Iron Fist and Iron interestingly F- these were the only two Marvel shows that people mentioned so maybe an interesting indication of where the Marvel TV brand is going yeah Marvel TV is just way off for Marvel now obviously I'm not the biggest Marvel movie fan but you know they're very well made and very good to look at movies Iron Fist I think I I might have watched three or four episodes I literally by the end was laughing out loud at how it bad it was it is shockingly bad shockingly bad I watched bad. the whole thing yeah. I was like addicted to it it was so bad I'm but embarrassed it was just for you awful awful stuff like the fight scenes were muck the guy who plays the main character Danny Rand it's just annoying yeah. and, and as a character you can't get it behind him because he's just an idiot it's just bad and everything he does in that in that season is just like incomprehensibly stupid um, so yeah, so yeah a lot of that. you said that. a lot of people said The Walking Dead um, I'm on I'm a season behind on this but apparently the new season is awful interestingly quite a few people said The Good Place which um, a lot of people liked as well liked yeah so on that note there were quite a few shows which were 
featured as people's best of the year and then other people had them on their worst of the year and these were the most divisive ones so the good place uh, Rick and Morty a couple of people said was their worst of the year uh, quite divisive American Gods has been quite divisive uh, Twin Peaks is an interesting one um, so I'm going to read out a, a few um, uh, messages from people Daniel C. Tuck on Twitter said best for me was Twin Peaks I get how some people hated it but I loved it uh, the worst was 13 Reasons Why we haven't seen that uh, I watched the first episode three times because I kept forgetting I'd seen it and still couldn't be bothered to watch any further. <laughs> 13 Reasons Why was huge with teenagers and young people. Yes. Um, and it is very divisive because it deals with suicide and some people thought it was glamorizing suicide. Now I haven't seen it, so I can't speak to it, basically. Uh, Dave O'Neill, friend of the show, um, is said on Twitter, he thought the best show was The Orville. Uh, oh. The... Um, uh, Seth MacFarlane take on Star Trek mm-hmm. which a lot of people were uh, slamming online uh, we haven't seen it uh, he said it thought it was going to be awful but it's actually a very thoughtful and funny tribute to Star Trek especially compared to the actual po-faced new Star Trek on at the same time he's talking about Star Trek Discovery which I quite uh, I've mixed feelings about but and I'm I've given up it. on yeah. um, and he said the worst was in humans it took a great visually stunning comic and reduced it to a guy looking like he was constantly trying to fart <laughs> <laughs> which is very astute um, another friend of the show Zombie Kitty podcast said the worst was Marvel's Inhumans the best thing about that show was uh, Lockjaw the giant bulldog yeah that was kind of good yeah he was cool uh, and she said the best was either Stranger Things 2 or Timeless which are both on Netflix um, Ricky Brockwell on Facebook said my best was between 13 reasons why uh, which I thought was very thought-provoking, particularly for the age group it was aimed at. And my worst is a series that is currently on called The A-Word. Good God, this is a bad way to raise awareness of a very delicate subject. Should have been left at one series. Uh, we have not seen I've that. I've not one. seen that. Uh, Ian O'Driscoll on Twitter said that his best was The Legion, Legion, uh, which I quite like but haven't finished. Mindhunter, Godless, Rick and Morty, American Gods. We asked for one, Ian, but uh, you've given us <laughs> lots. Catastrophe, Better Call Saul, and worst was Iron Fist. Uh, Mark Payne on Twitter best was Master of None funny creative and massively underrated just nudging out Mindhunter and Bojack Horseman Tim Coleman uh, said best is probably Rick and Morty season 3 which took the show to another level Uh, worst it pains me to say The Walking Dead unfocused and turgid yeah The Walking Dead now look I don't watch The Walking Dead at this point but um Every now and then I see a bit of it when you're watching it. I'm like, what is this? Why is this still on air? Like, this is just going on and on and on and on. I know, I have a real love-hate relationship <laughs> yeah, you with too. that show. Uh, Tom on Twitter, at Thomas uh, Benfield, said, Godless on, Godless on Netflix turned out to be a huge surprise. I really want to see this. Yeah, me too. A fantastic Western played out over seven hours, a real gem, and A Handmaid's Tale felt like a very important and thought-provoking work with Elizabeth Moss putting in one of the best performances of the year. We need to see that. Uh, Laura Patricia on Twitter said the best, best was Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, season three. And House of Cards, season five. Separate the artist from the show, people. Interesting. Uh, I didn't even finish House of Cards season five. I thought it was dread, dreadful muck. I'm I finished it. it. Um, I'm just sick I enjoyed of it. I over it. I enjoyed House of Cards season five because it was like the Claire Underwood show. It was all about her She's right brilliant. to power and I really enjoyed that. Um, Won't Grow Up podcast said that the best was possibly atypical that's a Netflix series that needs more attention I haven't seen that Uh, yeah I think it's about an autistic uh, main character on um, Netflix Um, Obi Moo who tweets us a lot said the best was The Good Place by a country mile Uh, love The Good Place personally Um, although I'm really getting into Mindhunter 
and then the worst Inhumans. <laughs> or, Rick or Rick and Morty. Morty. It's just not as funny as people seem to think. Disagree okay, we need you. to get back to our list now while this child... Um... Yeah, we'll come back to more of those at the end. You're back outside. Um, quick break there, Dave. Hopefully, you'll play some nice music. And we are on to our honorable mentions. Um, now, as I said, I'm watching a lot of TV at the moment because I'm on maternity leave, but I also watch a lot of TV anyway because I work in TV. Um, so, I've usually watched three to four times more shows than Dave has by the end of the year. Um, oh, sounds like a competition. <laughs> it is. Um, firstly, I want to mention the girls' final season. I thought they wrapped that up really well. I thought they did a fantastic job. Um, I was majorly impressed by it and I loved it. Um, Game of Thrones, you know, as we said, the reason we did a podcast on Game of Thrones is because it's a cinematic event. That's what Game of Thrones is. And they certainly pulled off the spectacle again this year um, and I personally loved doing our podcast on it and if there is a show like that that people think we should do a podcast on let us know we're thinking maybe Westworld we're trying to think like what's cinematic enough to do a podcast on let us know what you think um, The Sinner was one that I loved on Netflix oh, like massive binge um, starring Bill Pullman, Bill and, Pullman Jessica and Jessica Biel yeah um, very very enjoyable Alias Grace which is another Margaret Atwood adaptation who wrote The Handmaid's Tale again I watched on Netflix thoroughly enjoyed that Bright Lights which was a documentary about Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds which HBO made and aired after they both died very close together was a very poignant and interesting look at a, a kind of Hollywood dynasty and how fucked up that whole place is and they had you such know, a close relationship. So, well. in yeah, very unusual relationship. So I found that very interesting. And then um, one that I've only watched a couple of episodes of because it's still running, but it's just so weird, is this new comedy that's on Sky One called Sick Note. And it's just like the weirdest cast ever. It's Rupert Grint, Don Johnson and... Um, Nick Frost. Nick Frost. So Don Johnson is just so funny in it. And basically the premise is Rupert Grint is like this kind of young guy with a crap job. Rupert Grint, for anyone who doesn't know, is Ron Weasley from Harry Potter, right? So this actor is like multi-multi-millionaire. can obviously just like do whatever he wants to do. And he's chosen this little comedy. And he plays this kind of slacker guy who gets misdiagnosed with cancer. Finds out by the end of the first episode he doesn't have cancer. And proceeds to run with it anyway. And it's just really funny. I really like it. Um, then this is us, as I mentioned already, which was like the smash hit breakout show last year in the States. But I, I watched it this year on Channel 4. And... Um, I cry at every episode of This Is Us. I love it. I love the mechanism by how they tell the story. I know I'm being emotionally manipulated and I don't care. Um, Catastrophe, which we also watch on Channel 4. It was in its third season. It's fantastic. Catastrophe is very funny. It's very funny. And then The Juice, as I mentioned. Um, you know, I think it was a great show. Dave? All right, my honourable mentions. Uh, a lot of these, a lot of overlap here. Um, firstly, Big Mouth on Netflix. You didn't watch this, but it's a new animation from uh, Nick Kroll it's uh, you love a Netflix animation yeah well they're they're very good <laughs> uh, this one <coughs> this is literally shows that uh, email marketing works because I get an email from Netflix this is a show you might like never heard of it said alright fine like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a go and absolutely dug through the whole thing 
it's very good it's just set in a set in a school it's about um, coming of age stories of loads of 12, 13 year olds it's all set around puberty um, it's very like gross out um, but hilarious and very identifiable and quite uh, quite lovely quite lovely in parts and sweet uh, but also ridiculously filthy okay um, which is interesting because the show itself points out that uh, there's they're 12 year olds and they're talking about pretty <laughs> that's s- really weird s- I'm not into it stuff. Um, Star Trek Discovery uh, was quite a was quite an interesting watch I think it's a bit up and down I've got problems with it I can't go into here I was so disappointed with that show because we both are big um, Star Trek fans but yeah that show it doesn't really feel like Star no. Trek but it's quite a decent sci-fi show yeah um, The Punisher we just burned through oh, that one love uh, The Punisher it was really really so good. fun and good yeah. just classic revenge story and John Bernthal who plays him is outstanding he's outstanding and the other actor who uh, is from Desi from Girls who plays the hacker in this is, we love is him. amazing yeah. actor I, I forget his name um, The Good Place I absolutely loved with Kristen Bell and Ted Danson is amazing in this <laughs> uh, playing an angel architect two series that on Netflix watch that uh, uh, where are we? Black Mirror. Um, oh yeah, of course. I forgot about Black year. Mirror. Uh, but, uh, there was too many of them, though. They kind of there were six. That's not yeah, too many. No, but because there's more of them coming out now, isn't there? Yeah. It doesn't um, feel like such an event anymore. January. Um, three of them I thought were very, very good. Uh, the fourth episode, San Junipero, was outstanding. Yeah, that was beautiful. possibly the best one he's ever done. Uh, three of them were pretty poor, I thought. But then it's the, that's the nature of these kind of shows. Yeah. Um, some of them are going to be good, some of them aren't. Um, Archer came back, uh, continues to reinvent itself. It did a sort of 40s noir thing. It was a bit hit or miss, but uh, I love that show. Stranger Things 2, I think we've already spoken about our feelings about it this a bit. I thought it was just okay, uh, a little disappointing. Wait, is this in your honourable mentions or your most disappointing? That's honourable mentions. Oh, right, um, okay. <laughs> Blue Planet 2, we've only watched a few of these, but it looks incredible. Oh, stunning, yeah. Uh, Game of Thrones, you've talked about that. Uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm came back, and it's exactly the it's same. It's weird, it's like uh, no time has it's passed. Great. It's like it being, even looks the same age. It's like being transported back to, to early noughties. Yeah. Uh, last week tonight with John Oliver is, I'd like to give a shout out to, because particularly at the beginning of the year with the Trump inauguration on that, uh, satire like shows had never been at, at their best. And this is this is very, very astute and good. Uh, Girls uh, season 7 you've covered that I thought it was brilliant uh, Catastrophe you've covered The Great British Bake Off moved to oh, Channel 4 that was fun four, yeah we enjoyed that and it's exactly the same despite yeah. the new uh, the new hosting despite panel despite the hoo-ha is the only way I can describe yeah people, people get so get over it get over it people it's are like going, it's a ads. British institution there's ads on this show yeah ads fun TV do you not understand how TV works? It's 100% exactly <laughs> the same. It's yeah. just Mel and Sue and um, Mary Berry aren't on it. Yeah. Uh, and, and Mary Berry is a big loss and I like Mel and Sue, but like, it's not, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's, it's a bloody baking show. Um, Insecure, you've covered that extensively. I thought that was great. Uh, Broadchurch had its final season, uh, which I thought was very strong, much better than, than season yeah, two. Yeah, they should have just skipped season through and just gone straight from one to three. Uh, and that's my list. Okay, great. Next list is Guilty Pleasures. <laughs> Um, what are yours? Top of You've my got list. to have a lot of these. I have a lot of these. You watch a lot of I, lo- I watch a lot of. I have a lot of guilty pleasures. My top is The Bachelor. Any Bachelor adjacent <laughs> show, any part of the Bachelor franchise, I'm no, into no, it. No, no, sorry. Bachelor Nation. Bachelor is Nation. How they refer, they to, refer themselves. to themselves. I don't do that. Only because I have no friends. I have one friend. You have Tessa. no friends? No. Oh, that's so sad. As in people who don't walk because they don't really show it over here. Now, my friend Tessa, who has been on our Lion um, review and also our Fifty Shades Darker review, she watches it with me um, when we can do it together and it's so fun um, The Punisher which you mentioned 
it's a guilty pleasure because it's I loved it right like I I enjoyed it probably almost more than any other show I've watched this year um but I can put it in my top five because it's it's really everything you know that morally and theoretically I stand <coughs> against which is this man this vigilante physical powerful man he's using guns um to get revenge and it's just this really male driven story and it's all about male power and I'm against all of that but at the end of the day I wanted this guy to kill everyone who had anything to do with it's his family's death it's just a classic fun it revenge story it was basically story. like Rambo which is also a movie franchise that I love though I know I shouldn't but um, actually you make a good point the politics of that show are very troubling there's a whole bit about gun control where effectively there's a, a democratic senator who's who's trying to uh, in, increase like uh, um, like Areas around gun control and trying to limit people getting guns, and he's a villain. Yeah, and, and, and like our guns. heroes are like, I carry a gun, and yeah, I'm a, what's I like what? And it's I don't, troubling. I didn't really. Um, but uh, as you said, like standout performance from the lead actor, and I was just so into it. And um, <coughs> billions, which is um, the oh, Showtime show that we watch on Atlantic here, which is Paul Giamatti and um, oh god, what's his name? Brody from Homeland, Damien Lewis. Lewis. Oh my god, billions! I just love like it's literally like Paul Giamatti it's is ridiculous, like, chewing the scenery. Um, it's just so fabulously dramatic. Like you know, he's not a millionaire; he's a billionaire. Um, I really, really enjoy Billions. Um, Dynasty, which is on Netflix at the moment, is so bad and it's so embarrassing for me because it's not a Netflix original, so it's being released weekly. And I'm like waiting weekly for the episodes to come out. Like I was texting Dave at workday one day saying, Dynasty's out today, I'm so excited. And finally, the scandal, the final season of Scandal is oh so enjoyable. It's on at the moment. Olivia Pope has gone rogue. Don't you mean Olivia Pope? <laughs> because that's how she yeah. says her own name. And I think I can enjoy it. I, I've always been a bit like, oh, about Scandal, but I'm really enjoying this because they've said it's the last season so I'm like right wherever they want to go with this I'll just follow it now I've never heard a character say their own name so much it's like Harry Potter every time Olivia Pope is mentioned it's like Olivia Pope like Harry Potter and every character in that show speaks with in this weird staccato rhythm yeah like it's like there is only one <laughs> way we are going to get through this I Olivia am the president of the Pope United States of America <laughs> um, Okay Dave Guilty pleasures I only have one on my list oh. uh, Because Almost everything I watch I'm not guilty about <laughs> And I love it all I mean I'm um, not guilty about mine either But this one I am slight, feel slightly weird Because it's uh, Voltron uh, Legend of the Earth or something I forget what it's called But it's essentially it's You forget a, the name of your own <coughs> show That's on the list yeah, it's called You've Voltron created. right There's some, there's some subtitle okay. to it But it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a kids show basically It's 100% for kids Okay Um but I love it. It's from the guys uh, who are behind the um, Avatar, um, not the James Cameron 2009 thing. It's the last Airbender cartoon, which was made into a terrible movie by M. Night Shyamalan. But that's a really good cartoon. It's a brilliant cartoon, and I 100% recommend everyone watch that. And they did a spin-off show called The Legend of Korra. But back to current which list. Which is outstanding. 2017. Um, but they also made... So they made a reboot of this old 70s cartoon called Voltron. Uh, which I had I, never seen don't really know a lot about but it's just it's got all their same flair um, and humour and lovely uh, visuals so why is it a guilty pleasure? 
because it's kind of a, it's a kids show and okay. I don't I don't know do you know what a guilty pleasure is I don't think so right no well, I'm, I'm happy dis- with everything I want biggest disappointments first for me the get down that was this year wasn't it oh yeah I sorry that, I mean yeah. Baz Luhrmann when I heard that Baz Luhrmann was going to be making this <coughs> huge show for Netflix that cost like a hundred million dollars is all about music I was like I love Baz Luhrmann I could not have been more excited and honestly could not get past the pilot now a lot of people say if you if you do get past the pilot it does get quite good but yeah I but I believe in a pilot in the old fashioned sense of the word is that this needs to be good enough episode that in its own merits I will go back and want to watch the episode too it's not that I should be on Twitter seeing people say no no if you get past the first five episodes it does get interesting I swear it's like it was so long the pilot as well it was way more than an hour it's hard to commit time to these things it's just like it? you know this is the guy who made like Strictly Ballroom in Moulin Rouge I want it fantastic from the out um, my other disappointment big disappointment was Stranger Things season 2 um, and I guess I'm calling these disappointing because I just had very high expectations around them like and I, I was watching I watched all of Stranger Things season 2 like somewhat painfully and not as quickly as I at all as we'd watched um, season 1 in fact Dave watched it, finished it ahead of me because I was just couldn't be arsed with it and um, I think I figured out why I was disappointed with Stranger Things season 2 it was because season 1 had an awesome mystery which was where's Will and what's happening and it had a really fun introduction to this 80s world right I loved both of those elements this season there's no mystery and it's just the same age no. like there's no there's nothing new about the only mystery setting. is what happened to the pumpkins <laughs> um, and if you want to hear more on this um, Dave does another podcast called Shitegeist which I never mentioned because I don't like that he does another podcast but they did a very oh, you're jealous of my other did, podcast but they did a very good episode <laughs> on Stranger Things which I did enjoy um, and finally hello Discovery Shark Week Michael Phelps versus the fucking shark I thought Michael Phelps oh, getting yeah. in the ocean with the that? shark yeah um I watched I love Shark Week so I actually watched loads of it in work and um what happened nothing they didn't race each other did it eat him no they weren't in the same space <laughs> what um, <laughs> basically Michael Phelps swam somewhere the shark swam somewhere and they measured it and they were like oh yeah um, shark's faster so that was a massive disappointment oh, great. Well, yeah. we could have guessed that um, Dave disappointments uh, I've got a few the Defenders which was the, um, oh, the Marvel uh, culmination of all their Marvel why shows why were you disappointed because none of the sh- like like there was I had no expectation around this show well because I really liked the two seasons seasons of Daredevil I really liked Jessica Jones I thought Luke Cage was okay Iron Fist was terrible admittedly and <laughs> they've been building to this for a long time and I don't know I just thought I loved the you Avengers so, so much and this should have been just the Avengers you know that slow build up where we had Iron Man and Captain America and you had their own movies and then they all met and the chemistry was all electric yeah it's That's exactly the, the opposite of that yeah the chemist, there was no chemistry um, and you finished it you had the you oh, were sad enough to finish that show it was hard work though um, it was a slog terrible um, House of Cards I've already mentioned I just I think House of, I'd been losing interest in House of Cards since season 2 really but I just kind of stuck with it well now it's going to be really interesting to see because they've sacked Kevin Spacey off it though interestingly there was a natural there's a natural point at which his character could be very easily written out now because as I said the last season was all about Claire Underwood anyway he'd almost become a secondary yeah, character I don't care that show just outstayed its welcome long ago uh, Silicon Valley was a huge disappointment to me this year because I love that show it's one of my favourite comedies of the last few years um, and I forget what season they're on now but it just dropped the ball massively it was so 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 good for the first three seasons um, Veep same story um, oh Veep yeah I was disappointed Veep with is Veep. a show that is one of my favourite comedies and it got better and better and better somehow just 
kept getting good but then Armando Iannucci who's the creator of it left I think a couple of seasons back and now it just feels like it's a shambling shadow of itself well it's hard because so she was the vice president then she was the president well, don't spoil don't spoil what happens in the previous season but the previous yeah. season has a very natural ending yeah it naturally which, ended and, and then, then now it just feels like this weird epilogue um, yeah it's kind of sad isn't it they're all just and they're all just shadows of themselves it's, it's completely lost its way um the Tick uh, one was one I was really looking forward to. I really enjoyed that cartoon and the old live action one from the 90s. And I love Peter Serafinovich, who plays him. Yeah. Um, we watched a couple of episodes just I really I think I only weird. watched 10 minutes of it. I was like, I'm out. No, I'm done. Crap. Um, and then the Cormoran Strike uh, BBC adaptation of J.K. Rowling's series of... Um, of uh, mystery novels uh, yeah which we actually in an earlier podcast mentioned that we really liked it but then but then we kept watching it we and didn't even finish the, yeah, the second we just one got, it just was really flat even yeah. though the casting was so spot on yeah the like, casting was he and really looked like Strike it's interesting with this one because actually I forgot to put it on my list um, because I had read the books I thought maybe I'm just not as interested because I know the ending and then I thought wait a minute Big Little Lies I knew the ending of that and I absolutely loved it so that's not why I wasn't into it it just the it was thing too never literal came to life. yeah never and all the casting was great but ultimately together they didn't have chemistry it was and completely lifeless the two leads have chemistry in the books is that it you have a lot of disappointments no, that's it yeah. um, worst I have the defenders <laughs> um, now yeah, I would put enough. Iron Fist in there as well I mean they're just two sides of the same shit ass coin but I would say I <laughs> have never I, as I said I love the Punisher right and I watched all of Luke Cage I enjoyed it to a point I thought they had too many episodes but I really liked what Luke Cage was exploring they all have too many episodes um, Jessica Jones I enjoyed but never finished and then this was just vile and disgusting and how like how crap it was was just beyond boring me. boring and then the other one is um, and now we only watched three episodes of this again that's what I'm saying I haven't seen the whole series and we've had a lot of feedback about this online Gypsy which was um, written by a woman whose name I forget but she was in her young 20s she was heavily courted by multiple people um, this is her first uh, yeah, show I first show and she had written some movies as a student and like you know everyone was bidding to get her to make something for them she's like real up and coming talent real everyone, up and coming everyone was trying to get her um, it was directed by Sam Taylor Johnson who obviously directed Nowhere Boy and most recently directed Fifty Shades of Grey, which was a very bad movie. And it's starring Naomi Watts, who's a very, you know, a I huge like actress. Yeah, so there's a lot of elements here that led me excited. It's a, you know, a, a female lead um, who's exploring her own sexuality and, you know, there's issues around... Um, exploring like LGBT issues so there's so much going on that I was excited to see and then we actually sat down to watch the thing and it was like it was like someone in their early 20s trying to write conversations of people of who are much older much families. older than her it felt really trite and Naomi Watts was probably the worst performance I've ever seen her give it was so unsexy Lifeless. which isn't surprising given that she also directed Fifty Shades which is one of the least sexy movies I've ever seen um, and I was just dis- I was disappointed and I applied too much expectation to it um, but it was ter- it was terrible it's one of those things where you can hear the writing yeah. as in characters are delivering dialogue and it just sounds just like wrong. someone who's 21 and we have to say it. we um, somebody we'll, we'll read out their quote in a minute actually um, but somebody wrote to us that they thought Gypsy was the worst show and then there's like this whole crazy army of Gypsy fans on Twitter who like attacked this poor guy and started saying you're, you know, something along the lines of you're disgusting male pig, whatever, because they all love Gypsy and they're all, so they're I all have, like hashtag bring back Gypsy, and it was like 
insane the response we got. I have Not it here. from podcast listeners, but from people online who are obsessed with Gypsy. I have it here. It was a tweet from um, Albert Bates, at Albert Bates. And he wrote to us, Best was Big Little Lies for blending thriller and drama so stylishly. Worst was Netflix's Gypsy, which was so unsexy. That's what you said. Unsurprising when you remember Taylor Johnson also directed Fifty Shades. And the backlash well, that's all he said, right? that this tweet... So clearly there's... Because Gypsy has not been brought back for renewal... Which is very unusual for Netflix, right? So, it is. Yeah. Uh, so there's this huge petition to bring it back. And uh, obviously they're just searching Twitter for the word Gypsy so they can, like, rally people. Yeah, he but didn't even do a hashtag. Ev- like, they found his tweet. And everyone started... And I wrote back to Albert Bates saying, I agree, it was dreadful. And the amount of backlash we got... <laughs> From, from these fans um, and most of them to be fair and I, I did write back to all of them um, most of them were very reasonable and they asked you know uh, out of interest how much of it did you watch and I admitted I had only watched three episodes but I just couldn't do any more my time is too valuable for that um, and most of them were, and they were saying that's fine but there was just one woman in particular who was just basically being an internet troll um, <laughs> Who I took massive issue with. So if you want to read, <laughs> you want to read all our back yeah. and forth with the Gypsy and fans. Anyway, Gypsy hardcore fan base. Yeah. Um, and is that it for your worst of the year? Yeah, I only have those two because most things ultimately I enjoy on some level. Um, I just like watching. That's why you have so many guilty pleasures. Yeah. <laughs> um, my worst, yeah, Gypsy featured on there. A Santa Clarita Diet. Oh God, um, that was terrible. Is a Netflix show with Drew Barrymore and Timothy Oliphant. Now, so it should have been good. Should have been good because they are great, those yeah. two. Um, but it turns out that they can't do comedy. No, not um, at all. Poor Timothy Oliphant, one of my favorite actors, amazing in Deadwood, Justified. I was cringing watching him. I actually thought, oh no I wish I'd never seen this performance of yours like it's interesting because they say comedy actors can transition into drama quite easily but it's very difficult the other way and nothing is more evident than Timothy Oliphant's comedic (laughs) performance here he's just preening around the place like a 90s Jim Carrey it's mortifying it's absolutely awful for anyone who doesn't know it's a it's a the plot is a Drew Barrymore basically becomes a zombie or something and she's a mother and she has to eat people yeah. but she's completely lucid the tone of it is all wrong it's, it's the kind all of thing that would have really not prob- funny would have worked as a movie probably but the dragging out over a TV series didn't work it's just dreadful yeah. uh, Iron Fist I, I wrote on there because it's awful uh, Twin Peaks uh, now we did only watch half of the first episode of The Return <laughs> no, of No I actually watched two oh, episodes yeah. oh wow um, but now, I, to, be, to Twin Peaks' credit I never finished the the original series anyway so I just can't speak as a fan of it it's no, just not my thing neither did I we tried about three years ago to, yeah. to give it a go um, and just couldn't crack it I, I think, think it's a real marmite like you love it or you hate it but also I think if, you, we had, if you'd watched it back in the day in the 90s when it would have been a sort of real groundbreaker oh yeah, of its it time it was phenomenal it's just hard to watch it now when you know there's so much good TV and there's things I do like about having, having what I did watch of it you know I love the aesthetic of it I love Kyle MacLachlan I love all this sort of coffee and pie stuff it's kind of weird and but the, re- the reboot or the sequel or whatever the new one was called was just really out there and we were weren't into it enough to stick with it. No, I and I'm not. I'm not into David Lynch at all. I just can't get it. I mean, there was a, there's a scene in that first episode of just a man taking logs off a truck and putting them into his house <laughs> for that literally goes on from five minutes or something and I, I was out uh, and then lastly Inhumans I think we've covered we've how, covered how bad that was. Well, no, I would argue it's so bad it's good because I thoroughly enjoyed the pilot. Oh, fair enough. Um, and that, that's it for all our TV I think we've talked uh, we've talked enough we've talked enough um, can we just say breaking news we got a tweet from my mother Linda who you know has been on lots of episodes from us um, we just got this message before we left the house which we really enjoyed about her worst show of the year 
her best was so she said uh, hi Linda uh, she, you said best probably was line of duty I literally could not breathe at times and D.I. Denton will forever be my all time favourite badass hardcore awe inspiring cop we need to say mom was watching old episodes of line of duty they're from a few years ago uh, and we, we by the way we watched all of that this year it's yeah, great awesome. and Steve Arnett those season 2 eyebrows I still have nightmares <laughs> she said um <laughs> Worst is season two designated survivor. Yeah, we got a couple of mentions of this one, actually. A made-of-syrup 50-something president surrounded by 30-something dead, boring parasite (laughs) minions, a stick-insect CIA hero in stilettos, and a plot that has nothing, literally nothing, as in no thing. (laughs) And she's right, because I tried to watch it, and I was watching this. I know what she means, a CIA agent running around in stilettos trying to, like whatever do her work and it's like you wouldn't if you knew you were going to be running around shooting people wear stilettos right That's that reminds me of Bryce, Bryce Dallas Howard in Jurassic World yeah it's so annoying uh, and a few more tweets from uh, tweets and Instagrams and Facebooks from, from you lovely people out there Lauren Berry uh, who was on our Wonder Woman episode said the absolute best ever was Patriot on Amazon uh, so underrated so well written Wes Anderson-y but not saccharine Ooh, uh, and I've never worst even heard of it. was yeah, it sounds excellent. Uh, worst was Girl Boss on Netflix. Oh, I've heard Fucking bad pants. things, and that was cancelled actually. Um, Carly Bramwell, uh, in response to the Gypsy uh, fiasco, said that the best <laughs> was Gypsy on Netflix. An absolute delight, and much needed representation for women and LGBTQ. Yeah, and uh, look, I'm glad and, people enjoyed it. And I wrote back to her and said yeah. that. I'm really glad it's got such a strong fan base. That's great. Um, worst, The Walking Dead. A lot of people said that. <laughs> um, Blame Your Brother podcast wrote to us and said uh, their best was Mr. Robot and Better Call Saul tied for first the blind spot became the worst after a promising premise Uh, Scott who has been on this show as well um, said worst Iron Fist or that one with Ted Danson where he's an architect angel or whatever (laughs) the good place (laughs) yeah Uh, Joe from Shitegeist uh, said The Handmaid's Tale takes top spot as most relevant social commentary I seem to have sidestepped the dog muck shows this year lucky you uh, Arthur Hamer who did our um, illustrations on our uh, social accounts uh, best for me has been season 2 of Master of None and The Juice worse probably House of Cards which gets more and more ridiculous every season but somehow still isn't as bonkers as actual US politics I wish I do you know what I'm going to watch Master of None because it's had too many good recommendations now I'm going to catch up on it uh, Care Ireland on Instagram said The Handmaid's Tale and worst designated survivor <laughs> why did we even start watching it uh, Jack, Jack Navin on Instagram Mindhunter clever thought provoking beautifully constructed I expect no less when Fincher is involved and lastly uh, Steve Dempster on Facebook uh, said I'd loved I've loved Mindhunter and The Good Place both are available on Netflix and was so bored by American Gods great visuals but it was far too slow and I hated nearly all of the main characters ooh not good when you hate all the characters that tends to not work no um, All right. Okay, amazing. Quite Love a bumper it. episode. I feel like this has gone on for so long and it's gone like I mean, flashes through our day. We've been recording this for <laughs> hours, right? Hopefully for you guys, it won't be that endless. Um, I feel like it's like that Futurama episode where time keeps skipping forward <laughs> a few hours. <laughs> it's like That's exactly what it's like. Um, okay, thank you so much for listening. And we are going to, because we're actually a cinema podcast, record a best of the movies um, over the next couple of days. And we'll get that out at some point. Um, but funnily enough, we've both seen more TV than movies this year. Um, yes, and yeah. uh, if you want to, uh, if you've missed the boat and do want to let us know what your favourite TV show or worst TV show was, uh, you can message us at the Cinemile on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, or our email address is the Cinemile at gmail.com. Yes, and also, um, please, if you haven't already done so, uh, subscribe to us on iTunes. 
um, leave us a review, leave us a rating. That really helps us and we'd really appreciate it. Um, thank you. We will now finish on uh, whatever the theme song is for that talking horse show yes, that we neither will. of us remember. <laughs> we will Give find it a go. It. What do you think it is? I think, but I know, I think, I'm thinking like Ed, Ed the talking horse. Watch out for that tree. That's George of the Jungle. Oh shit! Okay, right. I don't know. What I think it is. it's uh, <laughs> his name was Ed. Just the talking. No, that's Adam's family. You're doing Adam's family. Okay, right. We right. don't know. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs> Hello, I'm Mr. Ed. A horse is a horse, of course, of course, and no one can talk to a horse, of course. That is, of course, unless the horse is the famous Mr. Ed. Go right to the source and ask the horse. He'll give you the answer that you endorse. He's always on a steady course. Talk to Mr. Ed.